be with you guys. Hi. It's been way too long. I must have said something wrong the last time. Um, it's been a year since I've been able to come back. So thankfully, um, Jeff actually asked me to come back. And Jeff actually came down to us um, this past Tuesday, and we had a chance to share together a dinner, uh, he and our elders, and just he had the chance to share the word with our elders, and it was just such a great great experience and I'm just so happy to be with you guys it's like I'm waving at people as I'm sitting over here like and some of you are like who is this guy my name my name is Chet South Bay is kind of my home so if you don't like me I'm the unwanted stepchild that just came for dinner okay Um, Very, very, very glad to be with you guys. We're going to be in a couple areas of scripture. Um, Jude, um, there's no chapters, so just go to Jude, as well as 1 Samuel 26 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So that's Jude, as well as 1 Samuel 26 and 2 Corinthians 6. I'm going to be starting in the book of Jude. We'll make our way over to 1 Samuel 26, and then we'll find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're taking note, the title of tonight's message is Build Yourselves Up in the Faith. Build Yourselves Up in the Faith. Would you pray with me? Man, it's good to hear Ages turning. You guys look so, so spiritual. <laughs> Those of you with phones don't look as spiritual as the ones like turning the pages in their Bible. Just want to point that out. Some of you are doing this on your phone. Um, some of you are like just paging the Bible. Sounds great. Can you tell I'm happy to be with you guys? It's really good to be with you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that, that was sweet. For those of you that aren't clapping, I, I hear you. Let's pray. Savior, I am so grateful for Calvary Chapel's South Bay. It has truly become a home, just like the Philippian church was to Paul, is this church to me. And even looking back at the last sermon that I had the chance to teach here, it was thanks to South Bay. And Lord, I'm just so grateful for this body. I'm so grateful for the way they love. And I'm so grateful for the way they hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I pray that you'd fill us. Fill us by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we all said... Amen. Jude 17. I'm going to start Jude 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers. Maybe you want to circle that word. There will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. But you, circle this word, beloved, Building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. I don't know about you, but I have found in my walk of faith there are always people, there are always things that want to bring my faith down. Can anyone say amen? amen? Sometimes it looks like a boss. Sometimes it can look like a friend. Sometimes it can look like a doctor's report 
there seems to be things in life that always want to bring our faith down. Jude calls these people scoffers. Scoffers, people that want to bring our faith down, people that want to not see us progress in the faith. And when we enter into 1 Samuel, we're going to call and label these kind of people King Saul. King Saul. They're the scoffers. Then there's the beloved. Oh, these are a little bit different and a lot different, actually, than the scoffers. When we jump into 1 Samuel, we're going to call these people, the beloved, oh, the soon-to-be King David. While the scoffers, oh, they know God's truth and they despise it. The beloved, they know God's truth and they want to live it. And that's David's heart. Oh, we had a chance to go in and kill Saul there in the cave when Saul went in to relieve himself and he chose not to do it. In fact, just cutting his robe, he was convicted because he knew the scripture, do not murder. He was not about to do anything that did not live the word of God in his life. Well, First John tells us that whoever practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. It's a very practical life principle. If you want to be righteous, you've got to practice righteous and be part of the beloved. This is what makes us spiritual. We hear it on Thursday night, and then we go and we practice it on Friday morning. But there's a scoffer within you. Now, I know that may offend you, but there is a scoffer within us. Oh, not just you, but me as well. And the scoffer within us, oh, it's called the flesh. And I need to let you know something. There is, an, a, there is a constant attempted coup within you. All of the time, there is a war that is raging within you. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul makes it very clear that the flesh is at war with the spirit. There are enemies of each other, constantly fighting each other. Trust me, there's a scoffer within you trying to break down your faith. And that's why Paul would say in Romans 13, 14... That we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ or we need to be putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, making no provision for the flesh. If we feed the flesh, it's going to grow. But if we feed our spirit, our spirit is going to grow. This makes sense, doesn't it, in regular life? If you choose to be putting on something, you're constantly preparing for whatever it is that may be ahead of you. It's kind of like football in two-a-days or warming up for a practice or like myself who was a swimmer, warming up before the big race. Let me explain. Your best game, your best performance, your best race always follows the right buildup, the right preparation And the scripture tells us, if you want to have the best spiritual life, you've got to build yourself up in the faith. And so we're going to launch on over to 1 Samuel chapter 26, and we're going to see how David built his faith. And we're going to use David as our example going on over to 1 Samuel chapter 26. Let me set the scene for you because he's going to show us what it means and how to build our faith. He's running for his life. 
It was only two chapters ago that Saul was just about to catch David and kill him when the Holy Spirit intervenes and Saul hears that the Philistines have attacked Israel because the whole army is chasing after one man and his 600 marauders. The Philistines uses as an example and they come in and invade Israel. Well, right at the moment when Saul is about to catch David, oh, the Holy Spirit enters. Hey, you need to get out of here. You need to stop chasing David because the Philistines have invaded. Well, now that war is over. Now that battle is done. And Saul's been agitated again. Saul wants to get rid of David. And David knows his enemy. So if you're taking note, the way to build yourself up in the faith, you've got to make a plan. You've got to make a plan. Would you take a look with me, if you would, at 1 Samuel chapter 26. Let's engage with verse 1. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself on the hill of Hakalah, which is on the east of Jeshimon? So, David, so Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped on the hill of Hakalah, which is beside the road on the east of Jeshimon. But David remained in the wilderness. And when he saw that Saul had come after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed come. Then... David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay with Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Saul was lying with the encampment while the army was encamped around him. Now, if you're taking note, the first way that we need to build up our faith is we need to make a plan. I need to let you know something. Um, Two months ago, I got a major concussion. So if I say a word that's not... Uh, something that makes sense to the sermon, I'm blaming it on the concussion. <laughs> then, two, so I got it, I went to Oaxaca on a mission trip. Last day we were there, I went surfing. I probably shouldn't have gone out. It was a big day, it was just dumping. And I went out anyway because I'm a man, right? So I go out and I, yeah, long story, board hits me on the head. I have a major concussion. I fly home from Mexico. I go straight to the ER. The doctor looks at me and says, I cannot believe you flew home. I looked at the doctor and said, well, I wasn't about to stay in Mexico for the next three weeks of my life. So we ended up coming home. Two weeks later, I'm on the bed. My 120-pound Burmese mountain dog jumps on the bed. So my wife doesn't like the dog on the bed, so I push the dog off the bed. And you know how like dogs, when they don't want you to be pushing them, they do that like 360 spin? Well, when the dog did the 360 spin on the bed, his hip hit me right here on the head, threw me off the bed and knocked me, blacked me right out. Second concussion in two weeks. So I go to the doctor and the doctor said, if you get hit in the head one more time, You're going to be like deaf and dumb the rest of your life. Like you won't even know your name or your family. So put me on complete study like rest. And I had to go up in the mountain, get away from technology and everything for over a week to be able to kind of like get my head back on. So truly saying, um, I had a concussion. Well, that was two months ago. I haven't been in the gym for two months. I went back last week. It was a really bad idea not to be in the gym for two months. Like I... I I got under the bar and I started to lift the bar. Nothing happened. (laughs) Like I, nothing happened. And I had the same weight that I had on two months ago. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to curl. I put the little thing there. I mean, it's a little teeny weight. I put it there. 
I, nothing happened. Like, nothing, people are laughing at me. Like, I'm like Mr. Man now trying to do this thing, right? So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna do a pull-up, right? Nothing happens. I left. I was in despair at the fact of how amazing it is within just a matter of moments. I was re- realized muscles do not grow on their own. Like, it's not like you take a pill or you pray real hard and the next day you look like Hercules, right? I mean, no, you've got to be in the gym. It's amazing how flabby you get if you don't work out. It's the same with our spirit. Some of you are like checking me out now and you're seeing this thing going, I know, okay? I'm going back to the gym. I've had a concussion, okay? Golly. It's the same. Can you pan the camera out just a little bit more? I keep seeing it. I'm like, hi, and it's saying hi back, you know? Man. It's the same with our spiritual strength. That's why Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying to work for your salvation. He's saying, give your salvation everything you've got. Put some real effort into your faith. It's like a workout routine. You've got to put a plan in place. You can't just say, I'm going to get big and strong. No, you've got to put a plan into place in order to build your strength. Because I need you to realize something. Your enemy has a plan. Now remember, our enemy, the scoffer, is going to be Saul. And your enemy has a plan as well. And his plan is to kill, to steal, and destroy. He's constantly working on this plan. But I need to let you know something. David, David's going to build his faith up. David has made a plan. He's a military genius, and he knows his enemy, and he knows he wants to end this battle with his enemy. He doesn't want to fight with Saul anymore. So I want to fill you into something, because David is giving Saul bait so that he will bite the bait so that he can end this confrontation with King Saul. That's what David's doing. You see, he knows his enemy and he knows that Saul wants to kill him. He knows that Saul wants him dead. And knowing his enemy, he puts some bait out there. Now, let me explain what happens. Just a couple of chapters ago, David was in this same place, the hill of Hakalah, in the place of Jeshimon. Now, if you know what Hakalah means, it means despondent and despair. And Jeshimon means a very dark place. And so David has gone to this place before. And the Ziphites, oh, when David was in this place just two chapters ago, the Ziphites told on David and said, hey, Saul, David's hiding in our hills. We can find him for you. And if we find him, what do we get? So now David, a military genius, goes back to the place that he knows the people are going to tell on him. He goes to Ziph. These people were already going to tell on him. David, why did you go back to Ziph? Then the Bible says that David remained. He didn't run away like he did the last time. No, he chose to stay where he was instead of run away from Saul. And then the Bible says he sent spies. He wanted to guarantee Did Saul really come? I want to know if he has indeed come. And then David rose. David rose up 
and he's ready to put the plan into action. Saul bit the bait. Saul has come to the place that David knew that he would come to. And David is going to confront Saul to end this battle because he knows his enemy. Gang, we know our enemy. Now, it's not King Saul. No. You see, we know something about our enemy. Our enemy is a liar. And our enemy is a deceiver. And we need to use the information and become military strategists in order to defeat the enemy and make a plan against the enemy. And so since he's a liar, well, we need to make a plan like David and fight him with truth. Let me tell you something. Since the time you were born, the enemy has been planting lies into you. It's the lies of the seven-year-old boy that looked at you and said, you're no good, you'll never be good at soccer. And you wonder why you've tried to achieve and achieve and achieve and achieve your whole life because the enemy has planted a lie in you that you now believe. And the only way that you can fight the lie of you have no value is the truth of Jesus when he says, how much more valuable are you than the sparrows and the lilies of the field? You see, when Jesus was faced with the enemy, he responded with truth and he said, it is written. Since we know our enemy's a liar, we need to make a plan to know the truth. So what does your Bible reading plan look like? What does your Bible memorization plan look like? What does your Bible meditation plan look like? Because if you know your enemy and you know he's a liar, then you've got to make a plan to have a reading plan so that when he lies to you, you're able to speak truth and fight well. Now, let me tell you something. He's not just a liar. He's a deceiver. Oh, once he plants the lie, he keeps it perpetuated. He keeps it going. He deceives you in believing, oh, you really have no value. Look what your boss said. Look what your sister said. Look what your mother said. And all of a sudden, now everything is passing through the filter of this lie. He's a deceiver. And since we know he's a deceiver, we need the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God will guide us into all truth. He will not allow us to be deceived. And to be able to be, we've got to be walking in the Spirit so that we can be guided by the Spirit. Gang, how can I know I'm walking in the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. When we're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, you'll know you're walking in the Spirit. But if you're hateful and bitter and angry and have got outbursts of wrath, guess what, gang? You're in the flesh. And if you're in the flesh, you're not going to be guided by the Spirit. You're opening yourself to be deceived. Make a plan to walk in the Spirit. Amen? Number two, I want you to see what David does. Write it down. Execute the plan with boldness. Execute the plan with boldness. Let's look at verse six. David said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Joab's brother, Abishai the son of Zeruiah, who will go down with me into the camp to Saul? And Abishai said, I'll go down with you. Obviously, Ahimelech stayed quiet. He's like, I ain't going down to that camp. Look at verse seven. So David and Abishai went to the army by night And there lay Saul sleeping 
with the, within the encampment with his spear stuck in the ground at his head and Abner and the army lay around him. Number two, take a note, execute the plan with boldness. And this is exactly what David and Abishai are doing. Let me tell you something. As I have studied people that have been successful, there's a few characters about them that have made them successful. Characters like perseverance and fortitude, endurance. You see, these kind of characteristics with a strong character of integrity have made people successful. I was looking at a picture of two girls and they were standing in the rain with umbrellas and they were selling lemonade. Let me tell you something. That picture was a picture of successful people to me. They may not have sold any lemonade on a cold, wet, rainy day, but they had the fortitude to execute their plan despite the circumstance that they found themselves in. And so if you want to execute a plan with boldness, let's take a look at how David builds up his faith by executing a plan with boldness. The first thing that he did was he realized, I need someone to go with me. Hey, Ahimelech, you want to go? Abishai, you want to go? Ahimelech went, mm, I'm good. <laughs> Abishai goes, I'm going to go because guess what? Abishai is Zeruiah's son. And Zeruiah is David's sister. That makes Abishai David's nephew. It's in the family. It's in the family. Gang, can I tell you something? God's given us a family. He's given us the church. We're called the family of God. In fact, we're also called the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21, the Bible says that I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Let me tell you about your morning joke. You wake up in the morning. Your nose smells your wife. She has started the coffee for you this morning. You wake up out of bed. Your eyeballs see the drip and see the coffee being poured. Just imagine if your hand said, no, I am not grabbing the mug. You're on your own eyeball. Get it yourself. I mean, just imagine the moment. No, when the eye sees it, the nose smells it, the hand reaches out and the body works together to accomplish the task. Gang, we need each other to execute the plan. And let me tell you what the plan is for the church. Jesus made it clear, preach the gospel and make disciples. Preach the gospel, make disciples. And so let me explain. It's the first church, Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are walking in. They've walked into the the, uh, temple at the gate called Beautiful. There's a guy there. He's begging. Please, I need some money. He's Jewish. So a little oive goes involved. He's like, I need some money. These people, they don't take care of me. Just imagine the moment, okay? Peter and John are walking by. They don't got a dime. They are poor missionaries, all right? Support missionaries, gang. Support missionaries. They are poor missionaries, and they walk by. Peter says, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, preach the gospel, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Then, Acts 4, Peter goes into the temple, into the crowd, and now he's preaching to believers and unbelievers the gospel. He's making disciples. He's fulfilling the plan. The enemy comes in. The Pharisees come and they seize Peter and John and they tell them, you better not preach on Jesus' name. And Peter goes, are you kidding me? 
<laughs> I don't know if you know this. He's risen from the dead. You tried to kill him. And so if you think I'm going to listen to you, you're crazy. We're out of here. So they strictly warned them. And in Acts chapter 4, you can write this scripture down. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, Peter prays, Lord, grant us boldness to preach the gospel. Wait a second, Peter and John, you're pretty bold. And you're praying for boldness? We need boldness to execute the plan of preaching the gospel and making disciples. And it's as easy for us as going to God like Peter and having a character like Peter saying, Lord, give us the boldness. That's the first part. You need the church. The church together with you will give you boldness. Now listen, second part, verse 7, they went. They went. Gang, you got to put a plan into action. There's no sense coming to church week after week after week after week if you're not part of the plan. If you're not part of preaching the gospel, if you're not part of making disciples, what's the point? So many people get paralyzed to take the first pioneering step of putting the plan into action. It's like we go out, you're there at Target, it's Christmas time, they're singing on the intercom, O little town of Bethlehem. Like, when do you ever hear Christian music in Target? It's like, it just doesn't happen. Then Away in a Manger comes on. Then Silent Night, Holy Night, right? And here, you hear the song, sleeping. I was just making sure you're awake. Away in a no for the toll in Target, the little Lord Jesus. And right when the little Lord Jesus goes on the intercom, you're right there at your cashier. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Well, what are you gonna do this Christmas? I'm gonna worship. I'm a Christian. All of a sudden, like, we like speak in tongues. I don't know what happens to us. And we can't get the name of Jesus out. That first step, that first pioneering moment to be able to preach the gospel. It's amazing to me how this pioneering paralysis prevents our faith-filled progress. Not David. He went. He executed his plan with boldness. Number three, I want you to see something. Write it down. Resist temptation. Resist temptation. Take a look with me, if you would, 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel chapter 26. I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand. Now, just imagine, they walk in. Saul's spear is at his head. Okay, so keep that in mind. God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now, please, let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear. I will not strike him twice. In other words, he ain't going to feel a thing, David. I promise you he'll be dead in a heartbeat. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? 
And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him or his day will come to die or he'll go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but take now the spear that is in his head and the jar of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake for they were all asleep because a deep Sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. What a moment. Saul bit the bait. Saul came exactly where David knew that he would come. The plan is coming to better, coming to coming together better than David could have ever have imagined. And I don't know about you. But whenever my plans are coming together, for example, like, let's say I decide to go on a diet. I put a diet plan together, right? I'm going to have an apple in the morning. I'm going to have like a piece of celery stick in the afternoon. And then I'm going to have like this much dinner at night. They say you're only supposed to eat this much food. This is the amount of food you're allowed to eat at dinner, okay? Squirrels eat this much food, right? Okay? Squirrels do. And this is what they say you need to eat. Something always happens when I put a diet plan into place. It's called devil's food cake. In my church, someone will always serve me devil's food cake. Devil's food cake. Now, I'm Bahamian, and someone actually corrected me and said, it's not devil's food cake, it's devil's food cake. So I don't know how you say it, but whatever it is, it's from the devil, okay? That's why they call it devil's food cake. And then here's what happened. Um, I, I was talking about like devil's food cake one day at my church, and I got six angel food cake um, that particular week. And no, seriously, I got six angel foods cake. F- foods cake? No. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and I don't know if they got the point, but here's the deal. I don't know about you, but devil's food cake always comes into my diet plan. Temptation. And temptation prevents you from attaining your goal. Now, the problem with temptation is that it gives you immediate satisfaction that seems worth it at the moment. Temptation. It, It prevents you from your goal, but it seems so worth it in that moment. Think of these guys. They have come all the way across the desert. They're now creeping over soldiers. They get to Saul and everyone's in a deep sleep. No one has woken up. They've been anesthetized by Jesus. There is no way these guys are waking up. They're in the middle of a conversation. We can kill him. Look, his sword is right by his head. One strike, David, I promise. He's done. I'm your nephew. Let me just kill him. Abishai is looking at this as an opportunity. But this is a huge temptation. And faced with this temptation, David is faced with a decision. He set the plan. It's come together better than he thought. He wants to end this. And now I'm wondering, is he thinking, is this God's plan? Because let me tell you about temptation. All temptation leads to a choice. 
Every temptation leads to a choice. Am I going the way of the word or am I going to go the way of the world? Every temptation leads to a choice. And it's amazing to me how our culture justifies worldly choices because we're victims. Victims. Think of David. This guy wants to kill me. This guy's been chasing after me. This guy's been mean. He's throwing a sword at me. I mean, I'm bitter and angry and I deserve to kill him because I'm a victim. He has mistreated me and I am a victim. And it's amazing to me how we begin to justify worldly choices and give ourselves an excuse because we're a victim. I'm a victim. But gang, our faith... Our faith gives us the power to walk in victory despite our circumstance. Gang, we're not a slave or a victim to sin or circumstance. The Bible says about us, we're more than conquerors. Amen? Yeah, just make sure, like, usually some people go, amen. Like, you guys are the church that does that. Okay, I'm going to do it one more time, right? We are not a slave of circumstance. Our Bible says we're more than conquerors. Okay, making sure you're with me. You got to remember something, gang. Could victimization be a plan of the enemy to actually hurt you? The answer to that question is unequivocally yes. Let me tell you why. Scientific research has proven that bitter and resentful people build up stress in their body and are more sick than people who are forgiving and loving. Victimization is a plan of the enemy to destroy your life. You've got to resist temptation. In fact, our victorious lifestyle is God's protection from the plan of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Gang, we are victory. We walk in victory. We are not victims. Resist temptation. Third, fourthly, I want you to write it down. Separate yourself. Take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 13. Separate yourself. Then David went over to the other side and stood far off the top of the hill with a great space between them. Stop there. One verse. Hold on for just a moment. Separate yourself. David puts a great space between Saul and himself. He separates himself from the enemy. Let me explain why. Saul's a murderer. David knows the command of scripture. Do not murder. He doesn't want to go the way of Saul, so he separated himself. In fact, when him and Abishai are walking out from Saul, he tells Abishai, hey, why don't you grab the spear? And then the Bible says David grabbed the spear because Abishai was way too tempted. It's kind of like Abishai's got the spear in his hand. He's like, come on, David, one little strike. And David looks at this whole thing and goes, Abishai, give me the spear. Give me the spear. And throughout this whole confrontation, none of them have woken up. I'm telling you, these guys are in a, this is like an Adam and Eve sleep. Like, Adam, I'm knocking you out. I got to do some surgery. I'll wake you up in a minute. These guys are out. And they walk out, and David separates himself from Saul. David's got an opportunity. David has influence from Abishai. One strike, David, we could kill him. But David knows scripture. Do not murder. 
So David separates himself from the way of the world and he makes the best decision to trust God at his word. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Listen to the separation. For what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship is light with darkness? What accord is Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we're the temple of the living God. As God said, now look with me as I read, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. Then I'll welcome you, and I will be a father to you. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, separate yourself from ungodliness, and if you recognize that you've got any uncleanness in you, get rid of it. Cleanse yourself and perfect holiness because God is holy. We should be holy. Now, here's what separating yourself is going to mean, gang. Separating yourself is going to mean you're going to have to take a hard look at yourself. And separating yourself may mean you got to say bye-bye to the ungodly boyfriend. Single sisters, can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> I got someone raising their hand in the back. <laughs> She's got a friend that's got an ungodly boyfriend. Let me tell you about it. No, I mean, it may say, listen to this, it may be saying bye-bye to the way that you cheat at work. Like showing up at 9.15 and not 8.55. It may be saying bye-bye to the way we cheat, treat, cheat and treat God. It may be saying bye-bye to a bad attitude. You see, separating yourself is going to mean you have to take a hard look at yourself and go, I've got to change if you're going to build yourselves up in faith. Going on, last one, write it down. You got to deal with any of your personal problems. You can't just look at the thing and go, okay, this has got to change and do nothing about it. I was in a counseling with a couple and a um, couple walked in, wife began to speak and she goes, God made me loud and obnoxious and I don't know what it means. I, I, I'm not gentle and quiet. This is the way God made me. This was my counsel to the husband. I'm praying for you. <laughs> oh, my. That's a real true story. That's not like one I grabbed from Sermon Central, right? Like, that is my true life real story. Gang, let me tell you something. We can use our personality as an excuse. This is the way God made us. Or we can recognize that we were born into sin, so he's given us his word so that he can change us. Amen? Oh, look who's finally with me. 
We got to deal with problems. Take a look with me, if you would, at verse 14. So David called to the army and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer Abner? Now, there's a reason he's pointing Abner out. Then Abner answered, Who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, Are you not a man? Who is like you in all Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your Lord and the king? For one of the people came in to destroy the king, your Lord. This thing that you've done is not good. Now remember, he's speaking in front of 3,000 of Abner's men, and he's degrading Abner. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die, because you've not kept watch over your Lord, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is, and the jar of water that was at his head. Abner. Abner's the commander of the army of Israel. There are 3,000 guys with Abner and Saul chasing after David and his 600 men. Gang, Abner's got some personal stake in killing David. Do you remember the song they sang about David? Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his... I need you to notice something. Abner's not mentioned at all. There's no song about Abner. There's no like, oh, and Abner's killed his hundreds of thousands. Not a word. And Abner is the commander of the army of Israel. If David succeeds, Abner could lose his position. So Abner's threatened. And so David calls out Abner. And we're going to read in a moment. Because Abner is pumping Saul with gossip. Abner is pumping Saul with slander. You got to kill that David because David wants to kill you. David's a really bad guy. David is not good at all. And he's pumping Saul with gossip and slander. And it's why David points out Abner. So David turns and says, I didn't kill the king. But you didn't protect him, and you deserve to die because you didn't do your job. Gang, there's only one thing that you can do with gossip and slander is kill it. Walk away from it. Just end it. Because gossip and slander in this culture is destroying people's names and testimonies. The only thing you can do with gossip is kill it. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Radically amputate sin out of your life. But if someone is gossiping and slandering about you, do what David did. Deal with the problem by living your life in such a way that if there's ever any accusation against you, you'll have no cause for concern. You see, if someone's gossiping about you, just live your life righteously. Just live your life for Jesus. Just live your life that no matter how they accuse you, you've got nothing to worry about. This was David. David dealt with the problem of gossip of slander by holding the spear and holding the water and saying, Saul, I didn't kill him. What you're lying about me to Saul about, what you're slandering my name about, is not true. I've got no cause for concern. I'm not a victim of my circumstance. I'm victory because I decided to go God's way. But David's got another problem to deal with. Look at verse 17. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son, David? 
And David said, It's my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Why does my lord pursue after his servant? What have I done? What evil's on my hands? Now therefore let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If it's the lord who stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. In other words, let me say sorry. But if it's men, like Abner, who's gossiped, may they be cursed before the lord... For they've driven me out this day that I should have no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Now therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. David's got another personal problem. He's dealing with compromise. He's been kicked out of Israel And to live outside of Israel in another nation, you're forced to serve another God. And David is faced with this decision. And David says, I will not be cast away from the presence of God. I'm not going to be cast away. Gang, if you want to deal with your problems, practicing the presence of God in your life is a protection from compromise. My son's getting ready to go on homecoming. I'm going with him. (laughs) My presence will be in that car the whole night. And I said, son, just imagine me. The moment that you put your hand around her, me turning around and going, I see that. (laughs) Just imagine me, son, with you during homecoming. As you're dancing, I'm watching. You see, Jesus said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And it's really cool when we come to church. We want Jesus right next to us. Hallelujah, praise, glory, amen. Thank you, Jesus, you are with me. But it's amazing how we want to leave Jesus outside the door of the bar when we go in there. Now, he says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. So guess what, gang? You tromp him right into that place. And maybe if we keep in our mind the practicing of his presence, setting our mind on the fact that he's never going to leave us or forsake us, it will protect us from our compromise. Gang, David has built himself up in faith. David has made some decisions. He made a plan. He executed the plan with boldness. He resisted the temptation, separated himself from the way of the world, and he dealt with a personal problem. But Saul didn't. And here's where we close. I want you to see this. And Saul said, I've sinned. Return, my son David, for I'll no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and have made a great mistake. South Bay, what a testimony. David made the decision, I'm going to build myself up in the faith. He took the exhortation of Jude. He made a plan to build up his faith. And he's got a testimony. A testimony where he didn't kill Saul. He's got no regrets. He's got no remorse. But Saul... Saul didn't make a plan to build up his faith. Saul didn't keep himself in the love of God. And his testimony is, I have made 
a great mistake. I've acted foolishly. What testimony do you want? Do you want one at the end of your life like Paul that you're able to say, I fought the good fight? Or do you want one like Saul? I've been a fool. And I've just not built up my faith. I built up my flesh. And I've made so many mistakes. Now here's hope. If your testimony today is Saul, Jesus says, come to me. Confess. Let's get you back on the right track. There's hope because I died on the cross for you. And if you're David, strengthen your resolve to build yourself up in our most holy faith. Amen? Father, I'm so grateful. So grateful for your church. And I just pray in Jesus' name, would you fill us with the power of your spirit and grant us the grace that we need to accomplish the work of building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Fill us with your spirit. Before I close, if you could remain in just an attitude of prayer. And the little timer said I was supposed to be done at 8.30. It's only 8.16, so stay with me if you would. Jesus told the disciples, watch and pray because something big spiritual is about to happen. And I'm just asking, can you check out from just your moment and your world for just a moment and get in contact with Jesus right now? Ask yourself, have I made a plan? Have I executed that plan with boldness? Okay, the enemy's going to attack. Have I resisted temptation? As I begin to walk down this plan then of separating myself from the things that are causing me to stumble and choosing to deal with problems instead of just letting them continue, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jude says, build yourselves up in the most holy faith in the power of the Spirit of God. And I want to pray for you tonight. If that's you tonight, and you've recognized with conviction that only comes from the Spirit, i got to make a plan. It's time for me to start building. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Hey, Chet, would you pray for me? Would you just pray for me? This hand is a, it's an act of humility. It's a stretching out to God. It's a recognition to Him. So, Lord, I just pray for every hand that's raised. They're humbly saying, I need your spirit. They're humbly saying, i got to put a plan into action. And so, Lord, we're coming to you and we're saying, we need you. So would you fill us with your spirit and help us put a plan in action? to be bold. I pray for boldness. I pray that, Lord, we'd be able to separate ourselves from the things that are not of you and we deal with our problems 
wouldn't just let them sit there and blame it on a personality, but recognize our faith, we have victory. And so we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. What a privilege it is to be with you all this evening. God bless you guys.